Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is a showdown of sorts, one that had been a long time in the making for the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as we mentioned earlier, did not have an easy life or career, and if ever we think our lives overly difficult, we should simply simply stop and consider Jeremiah's for a moment. In fact, he is often called the weeping prophet, not because he was not only because he was forced to endure and witness the destruction of his homeland, but also because the messages that God gave him to deliver were so often not good news. And so because of that, the people of Judah didn't want to listen to Jeremiah. Too much doom and gloom. He was often regarded as a traitor of the state, a heretic against God, a disgrace to his people. And so for a lifetime, a lifetime of faithful proclamation, the only rewards that Jeremiah ever received was to be beaten, to be put into prison or in stocks, to be thrown down an empty well once and left for dead, and eventually exiled. He was the weeping prophet indeed. But to understand the context specifically of our Old Testament reading today, we we must remember that the historical time frame in which all this was taking place was one of the most intense time periods in all the history of the Old Testament. The people of Judah, the, the southern kingdom of Israel, had already witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians. And what's more, they, Judah, was beginning to uh, experience God's righteous judgment and wrath for their own uh, generational sin and idolatry. And so God was using the Babylonians to enact his justice. And King Nebuchadnezzar had already invaded once and taken away the first wave of exiles to Babylon. And so it was at this point that God had a message for Jeremiah to deliver, another message. And so in the chapter right before our Old Testament reading, God told Jeremiah very dramatically to put a a yoke bar across his neck, a wooden bar which was normally used to hitch an animal to a plow, and begin telling people that unless they submitted to the yoke of the king of Babylon, they would not survive. If they did not heed God's word, if they refused to submit to Babylon, then they would be subject to sword and famine and pestilence and 70 years of captivity. The time to repent of their sins and return to God was right now. But remember I said that this reading, our Old Testament reading, was like a showdown, and it was. On one side you had Jeremiah. And on the other side, you had a false prophet named Hananiah. Now, Hananiah had not been sent by God, but he presumed to speak in God's name anyway. And he had been busy filling the people's ears and most importantly, the the king's ears with soothing, feel-good messages that contradicted Jeremiah. Hananiah predicted that everything was going to be just fine, that that life would once again be easy, that God was going to take care of everything regarding the Babylonians very shortly. So you can just picture it, can't you? 
There they were in the middle of the temple, two people surrounded by all the crowds that had gathered to listen, all the priests who were there with Jeremiah delivering his message with a yoke bar strapped to his neck and and Hananiah stating that Jeremiah was wrong. That they didn't need to bow to the Babylonians, that that the Babylonians would be defeated, everything would be back to normal within two years. That's what Hananiah said. And to hammer his point home even further, in an equally dramatic fashion, Hananiah then marches over to Jeremiah right there in the temple, grabs the yoke bar off his neck and smashes it to pieces. And so that's where our Old Testament reading today comes in. Jeremiah says to Hananiah, oh man, in other words, I wish it were true, Hananiah. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord, which had been taken away, and all the exiles. Yes, Hananiah, it would be simpler if there could be cheap grace without repentance, if there could be easy victory without suffering, if there could be happy resurrection without the cross. But it's not that way. And so Jeremiah was reminding Hananiah and everyone else listening in that the true prophets of God for a long time often had to deliver messages that they didn't want to hear. Messages that delivered bad news at times, prophesying war or famine or pestilence, even when the people didn't want to hear it. But the most important thing, the, the real test of a prophet, the way you knew whether the word of the prophet was from God or not, was to listen And then to see whether the thing that the prophet prophesies comes true or not. Hananiah preached peace and restoration within two years. But the Lord hadn't sent him. And so it wouldn't happen. He was just filling the people with with lies that they wanted to hear. Jeremiah, on the other hand, the real word from God, it was totally different. Jeremiah's message was much more difficult. God wasn't promising easy victory to Judah, but rather to Babylon. And God was using this foreign king from Babylon as a means for God's own judgment against his people. And instead of a quick and happy ending, God's people would have to get ready to settle in for a long and uncomfortable exile that would last 70 years. They would have to build houses and plant gardens and have children and raise families all in a foreign land. And yet, despite all that, God promised that he would never leave them. He would always be with them. And that he would keep his promise of sending a Messiah, not at this moment, but when the time was right. And so the people of Judah were left at a crossroads then with with this question, which prophet, Hananiah or Jeremiah, which word were they going to listen to? The true prophet whose words would come to pass or the false prophet whose words made them feel better in the moment? It's a sobering lesson from a sobering time in history. And I suppose that might be the first thing that we learn today from God's word. That in our own sobering time, it's helpful to remember that God's people have often lived through times of great hardship, where their homes, their cities, their worlds have all literally been turned upside down. God doesn't always promise us peace 
and comfort every moment of every day. Sometimes God does work through trials and suffering. Jeremiah told the people to stop placing their trust in themselves or in the walls around Jerusalem or in the temple, thinking that that made them safe or in the, in the empty promises of false prophets. And we too today should also not place our trust in the things of this world, whether that's in ourselves or in our own worldly efforts or in political leaders or in false teachers and pastors who lead people astray by telling them only things that they want to hear. Because all of this, all that it does is convince people that they should put their hope in something other than God, which is foolishness. Because sooner or later, all of these things of the world will fail. We will fail. Instead, our trust only belongs in God. God was the one who was going to preserve Judah through their time of exile and eventually send them a savior. God was faithful to Judah, even when Judah wasn't faithful to him. In the chapter immediately after our Old Testament reading then, God has Jeremiah do something else. He has Jeremiah write a letter to those who were already in exile, those who were already in Babylon. A a letter which includes a, a verse that I'm sure almost all of you have heard before but it's usually taken out of context. Jeremiah writes to the exiles, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, a plan to give you a future and a hope. Now many people today twist that verse to say that God wants, always wants to give us only good and happy things. But that's not true. Remember that these were words that Jeremiah wrote to those who were in exile. Think about hearing those words as you sat away from your home and your family, captive in a foreign country. How easy would it be to believe them? How easy is it it for us to believe them? As we sit in church today, surrounded by a world where it's becoming increasingly obvious that we are foreigners here, that we are not home in this world, and that we see so much around us that troubles us. And yet for those who were in exile, and for us today, that word from God about a hope and a future is absolutely true. Not because bad things don't happen, but because despite the bad things that do happen, God still always provides a hope and a future. God brought those exiles home after 70 years, and and he always reminded them of his promise to send them a Messiah. And all that was required of them was to be patient and to keep watch. And for us today, even when our days seem so odd and troubling, we know that God will always see us through, that he has sent his Messiah, who has given us an eternal hope and an eternal future. And all that's required of us is simply to be patient and to keep watch. The second thing that we learn from God's word today is about Jeremiah's struggle against false prophets. Jeremiah says that a prophet will be judged by what he says, if it comes to pass or not. Hananiah was speaking lies, but they were the kind of lies that people wanted to hear. 
Jeremiah, on the other hand, was calling people into a way that was much more difficult, a way full of hardship and repentance, which is generally not what people are interested in hearing. And so they ended up rejecting Jeremiah, and therefore they ended up rejecting God. But we always need to hear God's word even when we don't want to. It's our sinful human nature to only want to hear the things that will make us happy or comfortable in our lives. Today, people flock to churches where they receive a very inspirational pep talk every Sunday, like at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, which has an average weekend attendance of over 45,000 people. And the pastor there, Pastor Joel Osteen, was interviewed once on a CBS program called Sunday Morning. And, and he said on that program, it was an Easter special, he said, I generally steer clear of talking about things like sin or death or hell because that's just too hard for people to listen to. Their lives are hard enough as it is. He just wants them to come to Lakewood Church and to feel inspired, to feel lifted up. <clears throat> now, of course, there is lifting up with Jesus. But it's not something shallow or cheap that we can just conjure up. It's eternal and significant. But without the repentance of sins, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And without the forgiveness of sins, then there is no need for Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no lifting up, either in this day or on the last day. Osteen and so many other so-called Christian pastors and teachers are incredibly popular today. You go into a Christian bookstore and it's their books that are on the shelves. It's their shows that are on the broadcast. It's their shows that are on the airwaves. But it's for the same reason that Hananiah was so popular in his day. And it's also the same reason why so many people in our society today, including, unfortunately, so many Christians, that they have so eagerly and quickly abandoned God's word. They have agreed to redefine what God says about the gifts that he gives us. Gifts like family, or marriage, or gender, or life, or the need for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Any time that we depart from or compromise God's word, the only thing that it accomplishes is that it ultimately leads sinful people like you and me into our own destruction. But God loves us too much to desire that for us. God is not content in leaving us comfortable in our sins. Making us happy or comfortable is not always the loving thing for God to do. Sometimes God's word makes us terribly uncomfortable because his law needs to confront the evil or the sin that is in our lives. Jesus says in our gospel reading, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Of course, we know that Jesus does bring peace, but not peace like the world wants to offer. The world offers cheap peace, assuring you that sin is no big deal, that you're just fine just the way you are, that all is well, when really it's not. Instead, Jesus brings us true peace through reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God by the forgiveness of our sins. 
And Jesus' words today remind us that before there can be any reconciliation, that there needs to be an honest examination of our sins according to the word of God, as well as repentance of our sins. The sword of the law has to do, with its, has to do its work first in our lives, so that as repentant sinners, we may then receive God's free gift of forgiveness and grace. But if we don't think we need forgiveness, then there can be no forgiveness. And so anytime we measure our lives up to the holy word of God, we we find ourselves at a crossroads. We have a choice. The same choice that Jeremiah placed before the people of Judah is the same choice that we have today. Which prophet, which word do we listen to? God's word, which always comes to pass, but whose way often looks difficult? Or the many false prophets in our day who will make us feel better as they promise us peace and comfort in the world? Well, God knows that we struggle with a choice like that. And more often than not, we choose poorly. God knows that that that's how it is with us. And, and, And he knew that that's how it was with Judah back then as well, which is why God kept his promises to Judah as he always kept their eyes looking forward to the one who was to come. And when that one came, when he arrived, people started calling him a prophet. A prophet perhaps like Elijah or maybe John the Baptist. Except this wasn't just another prophet. This was the prophet, the definitive message bearer from God, the Messiah, God in human flesh dwelling among us. And this Messiah, this greater prophet who spoke with all the authority of God, he did not promise an easy road or a way without suffering. He would say things like, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But the way that he described for his disciples was his way as well. In fact, he told his disciples multiple times. He prophesied that he was going to Jerusalem. And there he would be betrayed. He would be handed over to his enemies. He would suffer. He would be crucified. He would die and be buried. He said that his road was taking him to the cross. But he also said that his road was taking him to the empty tomb. And on the third day that he would rise again to life. And he, when he was lifted up, would draw all people, not just Israel, but all people to himself. And it was Jeremiah who said, as for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent this prophet. Well, all the prophets of the Old Testament were prophesying about the coming Messiah. And Jesus came just like they said he would. And most importantly, all the words that Jesus said about himself, the great prophet and savior of the world, happened just like he said. Which means that you and I, we can be certain that the Lord has truly sent this prophet. And you can be certain that Jesus not only prophesied peace, but that as your savior, he accomplished everything necessary by his death and resurrection to secure that peace for you. True peace between you and God forever and ever. There will still be days in this world where you lack peace. There will be hardships. 
There will be struggles. There will be your daily struggle with sin. And there will be all sorts of tempting voices from this world that promise you everything, but in the end deliver you nothing. But despite all that, you always have hope. You always have a future because you have been given true peace. You have been given the true word made flesh, Jesus Christ. The word that, yes, beckons you to the cross, beckons you to repentance, beckons you even to a life of hardship in this world. But you've also been given the same word which beckons you to his grace, to the forgiveness of sins, and to a future of eternal life with him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.